Last summer, I was in Las Vegas. It was 114 degrees. 114 degrees. You can actually hear the sun at that point. It didn't feel safe. I was like, are we supposed to be here? 114. Like, you're never at a friend's house. You're warm in here. Yeah, I set the thermostat to 114. That's how I like it. I'm part lizard. Thermostats don't even go up that high. Meat thermometers do. I think God is just cooking people in Vegas. Oh, that one's smoking. I love smoked meat. It was 114 degrees, which was shocking, but not as shocking as how casually Las Vegas residents just went about their day in that heat. You're like, let's play frisbee. Time to walk the dog. I was like, get inside. The earth is on fire. Get inside and begs for God's forgiveness. You've obviously angered him. That's why Vegas is called Sin City. It's the same temperature as hell. Hey everybody, what's happening? Welcome back to the podcast. Oh man, I had no idea how good it feels to not give a shit about small stuff. Long story, but not going to share that here, but it's liberating. Nothing personal in my life, nothing in particular really. Just an epiphany. A wonderful feeling overall. The art of not giving a shit. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. Everybody should try it. I actually got a great response from last week's episode, and I felt like I phoned it in. Low energy, really didn't have much of a topic, talked about sports the whole time, and I appreciate that you guys continue to listen to this drivel. Three people wanted to hear that nasty joke I talked about, so maybe I'll tell it. Now watch my listenership go from eight to three. Uh, The Tour de France started over the weekend. I'm sure very few of you follow that, but I have not missed the race since I started following pro cycling in, uh, I think it was 94. So I follow all of the Grand Tours. There's four of them because I really enjoy the sport. I appreciate how hard it must be to ride at that level every day for three straight weeks. And I'm not as into it as I was before. I mean, you got to remember, there are 21 stages to this race, all right? That's 21 full racing days. And each stage lasts four hours or longer. And I used to DVR every stage. And I'd watch every minute of it after work. Now, can you imagine how much time that is in front of the television? And it gets boring. There are long stretches when you're just watching these guys pedal And the network knows when it gets boring. They start showing you all these historical places in France. Like it's, you know, some kind of a tourism video. It's dull. So you'll get maybe four minutes of real action. So I just started watching highlights, then extended highlights. So, you know, out of five hours of racing, you see the best 30 minutes and you're done. And I don't miss anything, you know. I certainly don't miss wasting, you know, four hours of my life. 
There have been some years when the race was literally like watching paint dry. Someone would dominate in the second half, and it wasn't fun at all to watch. But ever since this doping scandal ended, with Lance Armstrong and stuff, it seems like the playing field has been leveled quite a bit, and there's always someone new coming up, you know, some new kid that makes things interesting. Now, people still think there's doping going on, but I don't know how they'd get away with it now. We haven't had a winner stripped of his title since 2010, I think. And they've really amped up their policing of the sport. Even last year, they checked the bike of the leader of the race in the middle of the tour because they thought he had a motor in it. He didn't. So, you know, I think the race is clean. At least I pray it is. Anyway, it's been an exciting start to the tour this year. Every day, we've seen multiple crashes. A lot of riders are already out. It's a very dangerous sport, you know. And as several pro cyclists have said, it's one of the unhealthiest things you could do to yourself. You push your body to the limit every day. You risk severe injury or death. You don't eat nearly enough. Some stages are so hot, these guys end up on IVs at the end of it. Broken bones, missing patches of skin, enlarged hearts. Just a shit show for your body. And these guys will continue the race with a broken collarbone or a broken hip. Just continue to grind it out. Real tough cookies. Cycling to me is fun. So I try to keep it fun. And I don't find racing fun. But it's fun to watch. Now people think I'm some kind of speed demon. Like a hardcore cyclist. I am not. Trust me. I do go fast sometimes. Everybody does. But I don't beat the shit out of myself. I'm there to talk with my friends. Enjoy some fresh air. Meet other cyclists. You know. Kindred spirits. Derek Chauvin was finally sentenced last Friday. Judge gave him 22 and a half years, which I thought was a fair sentence. Now, people were protesting this, right? Saying he should have gotten a life sentence. Listen, that is a life sentence. This dude's in his mid-40s, 22 years. Plus, you know, he's still got to stand for another trial. He could get more time. The guy's going to be in his mid to late 70s when he gets out. No job, no pension, no nothing. His life is over. Let's put you in solitary confinement for 22 plus years. You tell me if that doesn't feel like a life sentence. His brain's going to be numb. Oh man, listen, it was a tough weekend for my family in the Pacific Northwest. And now my sister in New York, she's getting it. They hit temps over 100 for a few days. And now they're settling into like 80 plus degrees for the next couple of weeks. That wouldn't be so bad for the rest of us. But Seattle, that entire area, almost nobody has an air conditioner. They never need them. The weather's always either mild or cold. They get the vast majority of their weather systems from Alaska and Canada, and that always brings cool air with it. This time, it brought the devil's flatulence. <laughs> if you don't think climate change is real, I don't know how much more proof you need. Heat waves across the U.S., have occurred more often and have lasted longer since the 60s. And scientists now are saying it's consistent with a warming climate due to climate change. I mean, they had record-setting temps from the 1930s, right? And they, they, those weren't broken until we entered the 2000s. But those were always one-day events back at the turn of the century. These heat waves are lasting a lot longer and they're coming more frequently. Our winters get worse our summers get worse, 
and they last forever, it seems. And I'm a desert rat, okay, so I can handle heat, no problem. But when you live in an area that's usually in the 60s and 70s, overcast days with rain, and you're forced to endure three or four days in the hundreds with almost no humidity, now that's rough. You can't even sweat in that kind of heat. Okay, so the New York Times had 60 inches of Subway tuna sandwiches from three separate locations. They had them tested in an L.A. lab after Subway was accused in a lawsuit uh, earlier this year. And the lawsuit alleges that the fish is made from a mixture of various concoctions. So, like, they're doubting that this is actual tuna. So they froze the tuna, sent it to a lab, and the lab came back and said there was no identifiable tuna DNA present in the sample, and they couldn't identify the species. Now, they determined there were two potential reasons why no tuna was detected. They said it's uh, so heavily processed that whatever we could pull out, we couldn't make an identification, or we got some and there's just nothing there that's actual tuna. And to be fair, I guess experts told the Times that you know when tuna's cooked, its protein breaks down, which makes it hard to identify. So the lab results might not be accurate. And this got me thinking, why were they investigating the tuna sandwich at Subway? Probably because enough people ordered the sandwich and thought, this doesn't taste like tuna. I understand why Subway's popular. It's fast, it's convenient, it's everywhere, and it's not repulsive. It's a sandwich. It's hard to fuck up a sandwich, right? But of all things you would order from that place, tuna? That would be the one thing I think would possibly make you sick. But Subway sucks, let's be honest. And this story reminds me of the story several years ago about Taco Bell. You remember that? They had the taco meat analyzed, and they realized it was 88% beef, 12% other bullshit like fillers and stuff. And this is why I kept telling people, stop relying on fast food for your meals. Once a month or something, fine, treat yourself. But if you want to eat tuna, just buy a can of actual tuna and make a sandwich. You got to remember, we're depleting the oceans of tuna. It's, you know, really expensive. So fake tuna is inevitable. Beef, that's another story. We really need to try to stop eating cows. I started reading the labels on this vegan meat substitute. There's a ton of shit in there I can't even pronounce, let alone tell you what it is. But thanks to my brother, I'm finding all kinds of new ways to prepare vegetables. Keeps it interesting. And I love grains. So I think if you want to eliminate meat from your diet, just cook and eat vegetables and grains. Don't trick yourself into thinking that you're eating meat because psychologically, all you're doing is eating meat. It's like an alcoholic, right? That drinks non-alcoholic beer. You're trying to trick yourself into thinking that you're drinking beer because you're addicted to beer. How about weaning yourself off the idea of drinking beer? Try something else. Same goes with meat. If you're going to stop being a carnivore, eat vegetables instead of something that resembles beef or chicken. But I do have to say, as an asterisk to this, my friend Chef Debbie Lee this past weekend made a meatloaf using the impossible meat last weekend, and I swear to you, I could not tell you I wasn't eating meat. It was delicious. So there is something to it. And there was a crazy story about cows that broke out here last week. 
<laughs> there's this slaughterhouse in Pico Rivera. It's about 30 miles north of me. Someone left a gate open, apparently. 40 cows managed to break free of the slaughterhouse and escaped. And they marched as a group, like a Cow's Lives Matter rally, right into town. We're rolling through neighborhoods. It was like this army of cows plowing through a city. People lost their shit. These cows were walking over lawns, breaking fences, mailboxes, all kinds of property damage. And the owners of the slaughterhouse, they managed to eventually capture 38 of the cows. I guess a sheriff's deputy shot and killed one. And one managed to break free altogether. He walked five miles on its own. I guess it was saved by this group that works with an animal sanctuary. So only one of 40 managed to make it. And according to the owner of the slaughterhouse, all 38 that made it back were eventually killed and processed. As you would expect, there were all kinds of animal rights protesters marching, holding rallies, trying to save these cows. I mean, this is Southern California after all. If this were Texas, they'd have had a cowboy militia out there wrangling these things up, you know? You don't protest for animal rights in places like that unless you want a Mississippi ass-kicking. And my initial thought was, hey, these cows want to live this badly. Let them go. But then again, I'm not in the meat business. I'm not out, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I know that raising these things is expensive, and it's their way of life. And the fact that one was captured and saved by this animal rights group, it's great. But the guy who owned the cow and paid for it should have seen some kind of compensation out of that. I was just torn when I saw the story. Look, I understand the farming industry, but I also feel for these animals. It just doesn't seem right. But I'd be a hypocrite if I stood here and protested because I still enjoy the occasional steak. But this story was so bizarre. I half expected to hear that some of the cows were holding up signs that said, eat more chicken, you know, like the Chick-fil-A ads. That was nuts. But this also ties into the whole climate change discussion. These factory-raised cows, they're not raised on the healthiest diet. They don't live on those free-range farms you knew about as kids. They don't drink water from pure mountain springs. They don't graze on grass their whole lives. It's a welfare life for these cows. They eat like shit, they live like shit, and they feel like shit. Death must come as a comfort for them. That's how bad their life is. They've got worms and parasites rolling through their bellies, and they bust major cow farts that would make you pass out. And we used to joke about this. Bovine flatulence was one of the top causes of the erosion of the ozone layer. Greenhouse gas. The cows chew up a lot of natural resources. A lot of water, which is another reason why people are pushing for us to break our dependence on meat. I think the easiest way you can deter yourself from buying that nicely marbled ribeye that you see at the market is to remember, think about the fact that the animal that that steak came from used to break ass at a level so brutal your skin would peel. Like gross yourself out of eating steaks is, I guess, is what I'm saying. I think the cheaper this plant-based meat gets, the easier it's going to be for people to break away from eating cows. Buy less beef, cut the demand for it down, and then these farmers will be forced to raise fewer and fewer of them until it's, you know, no longer profitable. Maybe they'd start growing the plants that they use to make impossible meat instead. 
but that too is going to take a lot of water. So what do I know? Yeah, so I haven't read this relationship column at Slate in quite a while. But last week, I found a doozy. Listen to what this woman wrote in. Uh, and I should be doing this in a female voice, but I do a really shitty female voice. It sounds condescending, and that's not me. So imagine I'm reading this in a female voice. Okay. A few years ago, I persuaded my husband to join me in couples therapy to cope with some issues in our relationship. It did not go well. He's a sweet guy, but has little patience with fools and quickly reduced our first therapist to tears. A second also asked us not to come back, and by the third, it was clear that this was not going to work. He insists that they were morons peddling hype unsupported by evidence and based in sophomoric reasoning, which, to be fair, he supported in his utter demolition of their profession. The thing is, I really want to try again with somebody new. Is it fair to put somebody through what is likely going to be a grueling session in which everything they say is tested and which they are continuously asked to support their arguments with research? How do you find a therapist who can withstand constant probing and can hold their own against a very fierce mind? I should add that my husband is impeccably polite, generally kind, but extremely rational and unlikely to ever take anything on faith. Jesus Christ, what a douchebag, right? How can she say he's a really sweet guy? After talking about how he made a therapist cry, and then two other therapists rejected you as clients. What a fucking tool this guy is. And listen to how much credit she gives this asshole. Like he's smarter than everyone, and he knows it, and somehow she's convinced of it. Sounds like QAnon. And honestly, you gotta wonder if he's actually an asshole to her all the time, which is why she suggested therapy in the first place. Just listen how glowingly she talks about this guy. She's got blinders on. She's obviously not happy, and she's making excuses for how repulsive and arrogant he is. I mean, how many girlfriends of both of my late wives did I hear stories like this from? Selfishness, argumentative, my way or the highway shit. And I know men who make these excuses for their asshole wives, too, so it's not a one-sided thing. But this is when you can tell you're in a toxic relationship. Man, that made my skin crawl when I read it. The columnist responded. She had a real gem. She said, I wonder whether you may be focusing on his conduct in these sessions more than on the way he treats you in day-to-day -day life, because it seems like an easier problem to tackle. Bingo! This is why we pay therapists the money we do. They can see the forest through the trees when we can't. A relationship shouldn't be work, man. If you've got a problem, somebody needs to admit fault or find a way to work around a situation. Or mediate it. Get someone to mediate the thing. Usually it's how you talk to the other person that matters more than anything. But my favorite is when you say, Honey, I love you to death. You're the best thing in my life and I cannot live without you. But, dot, dot, dot. That's how you do it. You let them know you love them, how important they are to you, but there's a wrinkle in the sheets that needs to be ironed out. That's money right there. 
and then try to do your best not to curse during arguments or heated discussions. Sounds so much worse when you curse. You got to keep it civil, you know? I remember getting an argument once with my wife and after about 10 minutes, I'm like, damn, you know, why are we arguing about something? It seems so insignificant in the long run of things. I don't want to argue about this. You're right. I'll take your side on this because I don't think our time together should be spent discussing something that's not going to impact our life together five years from now. Case closed. She was still irritated, but it dissipated over time. I buckled. I would always find a way to sneak my hand under hers and hold it. It's hard to stay mad when you're holding hands. It's just a way to reassure the other person that in spite of your disagreements, you still love them. And that simple physical connection will speak more than any words that you barf out of your mouth anyway. But that's probably the hardest part of any relationship, working out differences. You're going to fight. It's going to happen. It's normal. It's natural. It's how you handle those differences that makes the relationship work or go up in flames. But this poor woman is trapped in a shitty relationship with a narcissistic son of a bitch who thinks he's smarter than everybody else, argues with a professional, a licensed therapist. He's doing this. So she gives up on the idea of going to therapy. It's like the trick you play when you're getting a divorce and one spouse will go to every divorce attorney in the area. So in case the other spouse tries to get a consultation, the attorney can't take him on as a client because the other spouse talked to them already. It's a shitty thing to do, but it happens. And hey, look, I don't mean that you should give in on arguments for the sake of not arguing. That leads to bigger problems. Instead, you just try to see their side, see it from their perspective. Some things aren't worth arguing about. That was my point. But yeah, see their perspective, understand it in spite of how batshit crazy it might seem to you for thinking this way. Then ask them to do the same for you. Weigh it out. Stuff like that works, believe it or not. You know, if people just see each other's side of the argument and talk it out, You know, I understand where you're coming from. You think what I said was inappropriate, given the circumstances. I'm sorry that's how you see this. In fact, if I were in your shoes, I'd more than likely think that way too. Now, if you could, try to understand where I'm coming from. Your cousin is fat. She knows it. She even makes jokes about it. So now imagine you're me, and you're trying to lighten the mood a little bit. So you decide to make an innocent joke and you ask her if, you know, when she goes camping, if she sees the bears hiding all of their food. Innocent joke. I didn't mean anything by that. That never happened, by the way. (laughs) Just an example. (laughs) Did you see the report on Kim Jong-un? Apparently, he lost a little weight. And now citizens of North Korea are supposedly worried about their dear leader because they say he looks emaciated. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, he looks emaciated. You got to look this up. You got to check out the pictures for yourself. He looks a lot of things, but emaciated is not one of them. Maybe this guy lost 70 pounds, okay? Most of it from his fat ass face. I see propaganda articles like this makes me laugh. For one, no fucking way the people of North Korea are A, allowed to talk to the press 
or worried that he looks emaciated. Most of the people in North Korea are starving to death. He definitely looks like he lost weight. He looks better. I'll give him that. But I don't think it's from pushing himself on the dinner table. This man doesn't know restraint. He probably got sick. He had a bad case of diarrhea or food poisoning. Maybe he got COVID. Lost his weight out of his ass. He'll put it back on. Watch. North Korea must have a PR department that works around the clock. If they're out of the news cycle for a week, it drives them batshit. So they make crap up to talk about. Like this. He probably got an illness that caused him to lose weight. He beat it. But now they'll say people want him to gain the weight back so he can go back to binging ding-dongs and drinking himself under the table. It's a PR machine, man. Just last week, his asshole sister was talking about how she's yet to make a decision about talking to the Biden administration if they decide to come to the table. Don't hold your breath, honey. (laughs) No one cares about you. On the list of our country's priorities... That ranks lower than whether we should consider Subway tuna sandwich an actual tuna sandwich. All right, no one's afraid of you. I just can't wait for the day that South Korea gets to take a bite out of their ass and saves those poor people that have to live under the thumb of that arrogant prick. I can tell you one thing. Koreans are lovely people. They're good neighbors to me, good friends to me, great all around. It pains me that half of the people in all of Korea are under his fat thumb. It's gross. Hey, look, there was way too much sports talk last episode, and I don't want to do that to you again, but just this one thing. People love to dwell on this whole GOAT thing, right? Greatest of all time. And the comparisons of this era versus that era. And it mostly gets applied to the NBA. Michael Jordan versus LeBron or Kevin Durant or whoever. When MJ was playing, they asked how he'd have fared in Bill Russell's era, or Dr. J, those guys. Let me set everybody straight here. Nobody playing today would hold up in the era of Michael Jordan's Bulls, or the fast-break Lakers, or Larry Bird, and the physically dominating Celtics, and especially the era of the 60s and 70s, when Wilt Chamberlain dominated Bill Russell's Celtics. And that goes for MJ and his Bulls team. They would not have competed against them either. And here's why. The rules of the NBA today have changed dramatically. It's literally a no-contact sport. You breathe on a guy wrong, it's a foul. In the 90s, it was a much more physical game. Look up the Pistons in the 90s and get back to me. You come to play a game back then, you'd better be ready for a physical fight for every basket. They pounded each other back then, and the refs swallowed the whistle. Go back even further to the days of the ABA and the early years of the NBA. It was even worse. You didn't dare dunk on a guy back then. There were no poster shots with another guy in it. If anyone was near you, and you went up in the air, left your feet, they'd beat your ass to the ground. You stayed on your feet unless you were in the clear. And I'm not saying the NBA players today are weak pussies, okay? I'm just saying that the rules are more suited to shooters. Players are protected against physical play. And as you go backward, the rules were more suited to physical defensive matchups. And it was more exciting to watch. I don't find the NBA today nearly as exciting to watch for that reason. And that's all I have to say about it. 
But if you ask me who the greatest player of all time is, it's a tie at the top. Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain. And it's a shame Jerry West has gotten lost in that mix because if you never got to see that man handle and shoot the basketball, you missed out on something special. You didn't steal the ball from Jerry. He had the quickest hands I've ever seen. One of the prettiest jump shots in all of basketball. Okay, I'm done. That's the sports talk. As you know, I do my best to stay healthy. Right? I exercise almost every day. I eat clean, drink a lot of water, try to get seven to eight hours sleep a night. I do the best I can to take care of myself. Shower daily, brush my teeth twice a day, as much as I can to take care of everything. I totally skipped my physical last year. Because even if it was just an office visit, I didn't want to risk getting COVID. And the mask mandate was still in effect this year when I was due as well. So it's been a while since I've been to any examinations for anything. Eyes, teeth, body, anything. I went for a massage and an adjustment. That was it. Because it's a downer anyway, you know. It's not fun. You're filled with anxiety when you go for these examinations. Like, what are they going to find wrong this time? Even though I take care of myself, there's always that fear. It's just a feeling of dread whenever you have to go to any kind of examination at any of the doctors that you see. And you wonder if it's even worth going for regular examinations if you feel healthy. Only once in my life have I seen a doctor and gotten news that wasn't good. It wasn't horrible, just concerning. The rest of the time, it just feels like you know, I'm putting myself through anxiety and humiliation. Like here I am, bent over, forearms on the table, shorts around my ankles. Doctor's got his finger up my butt. And I start to think to myself, you know, I really think I need to find a new optometrist. I don't think this is how they're supposed to check for cataracts. And for those of you who wanted to hear my filthy joke, there it is. I'll be here all week. Try the reel. Actually, not all week. I'll be here next week. (laughs) Hey, thanks again for listening. My name is Phil. This has been Inane. Stay cool out there. Cheers. (laughs) 